Hello and welcome to the AkimboCast, AkimboCast podcast where we talk about all things technology, cybersecurity, and anything that we find interesting. I'm joined today by Mark. Mark has prepared some notes. I don't actually know what the topic of today's conversation is, but Mark, what are we talking about today? Well, today I thought we could chat about chat. So the the concept of friendly conversation, right? In in what context do you mean this? Is this like a work thing, talking to work colleagues, or is this just like stopping people on the street and demanding polite conversation? <laughs> I don't think I would go so far as to stop people on the street, but I think in many workplaces there are various ways to communicate. People might email, they might use Microsoft Teams, but in my view there is a great value to just quick chat with a colleague. Oh, you mean like face-to-face have a voice-based synchronous conversation as opposed to something like asynchronous, like dropping someone a Microsoft Teams message. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, indeed. I think you can exchange a great deal of friendly information very quickly. I think there's a great deal to be learned informally through conversation. I think it helps with workplace stress. I think it builds friendships. I could go on. Chat. I definitely think there's a couple of points that I want to add here. And one of them is around just asynchronous comms and etiquette. I think there's a lot of people out there who don't realize how much you can stress somebody out just by messaging them what I would consider an incomplete message. So when you receive a message from a coworker or worse, a manager that just reads, have you got five minutes? Especially if you don't, like if you're trapped in a meeting or something or it's the end of the workday and you don't manage to catch them because it, it means that you suddenly have all of this anxiety around what could it possibly be that they want and you start constructing all of these like, am I in trouble? Am I fired? But you don't necessarily get that with synchronous communications, do you? Because, of course, as soon as they say, if you've got five minutes, you're straight into the conversation. You don't have that kind of delay. Is that one of the benefits that you were thinking of or is it just my anxiety around asynchronous comms that you were thinking about? I think so. And as you say, somebody drops you a quick Teams message that says, have you got five minutes? It's very, very easy to project into that space because there's absolutely, there's no tonal content, there's no emotional content. So you're left wondering what exactly is going to happen. Whereas, you know, if a a colleague pops her head around the door and says, have you just got five minutes? I, I could just do with a quick chat. I understand that it isn't always possible, but I think it's instantly friendlier. There's a lot more information included. You can read a lot from somebody's tone, somebody's facial expressions. We all know these things. One of the reasons that human beings are so successful as a species is we are uniquely good at communicating. One of the counterpoints to that, of course, is the benefit of asynchronous comms is you can have a conversation with somebody when it is the right time for you to have that conversation. So if somebody messages you and gives you a premise and says they're struggling with something or that they need some help with something, you can get back to them when it works for you. Um, I'll give you a really good example of this. Whenever I'm programming, if somebody just opens my office door and says, hey, have you got a minute? Like 20 minutes of my progress has just been killed there. Because whatever it was that I was kind of trying to think through or trying to work on, that that complex problem that I'm trying to solve, has, has been interrupted. And getting back into it is really hard. So I do understand the benefits of like synchronous comms and, and kind of getting the uh, the issue dealt with. But how do you know when it's a good time to talk? And I don't always think the answer of just ask is, is the right one. I don't really agree. I think these should be common social skills. 
hey, can you spare me five minutes? I can't right now, but give me half an hour, I'll come straight back to you. And then there's also the opportunity then to say, it's really, really urgent. Are you sure you can't spare me too? Okay, okay, if it's really urgent, I can I can spare you too. So I think, again, that emotional content, I can hear that my colleague is really stressed about this and could just just do with a few brief sentences. As you know, I always say, you know, being in charge of operations here at Akimbo Corps, I always say to colleagues, I will speak to any of you at any time. If I'm busy, let me know that it's urgent. If it's busy and it's non-urgent, I may come back to you. I may say, give me 10 minutes, whatever. But I'm always available. And I like to think in that way that I'm lowering people's stress levels. I am always available to colleagues as far as is possible. I'll always chat. Why not? It's not killing me. I think another thing that people worry about as well is the idea that maybe some of their co-workers aren't working very hard. Maybe they have quiet quit and they're kind of killing time in the office. So they're looking for excuses not to do something. And so what they're really wandering over for is a chat in the sense of killing some time, not a chat in the sense of uh, working through a problem collaboratively. How do you deal with that? Where people just come across your desk and say, um, you know, <laughs> come across to your desk to, to just talk nonsense really i think we've got maybe somebody in our office who's a little bit like that for uh for coming in uh, at times where maybe you're working really hard on something but they're not right now and they'd really like a chat i agree i think that inevitably there are downsides again for me it comes down to social skills you know if required and i don't like doing it because it can easily be interpreted as rudeness um, if a colleague interrupts me in the middle of something that absolutely cannot be interrupted, then you know I may well hold my hand palm out towards them and say, I'm really sorry, I can't do this now. You will need to give me an amount of time. So, you know, also, the more you chat with people, the more you get to know with people, then the easier it is to communicate in future with that person. And for example, you and I can tell without either of us speaking when one or the other is under pressure. Body language tells us all we need to know. I think anyone can tell when I'm under pressure because I suddenly become a hedgehog. Um, one of the things that annoys me with this uh, this idea, though, is where um, somebody will say, have you got five minutes? And then wait for the answer without telling you what for. Because if I'm really busy and I'm in the middle of something... I can't prioritize that without understanding what it is. So if somebody's asking for five minutes because they need to move some boxes or something like that, I absolutely want to help them. But it's not necessarily, not necessarily business critical work. And if I'm in the middle of like dealing with an outage or something, um, I think that's one of the things that really frustrates me. I don't think anyone should ever say the phrase, have you got five minutes? Without saying what it's for. Yeah, and I think, you know, I agree that can go into room 101 as far as I'm concerned. But that, again, is kind of the great thing about chat. You know, have you got five minutes? I could just do with a lift to move these boxes. And my reply to that might be, I'm sure I'll find five minutes. It won't be just now. Can we can we come back to that later? You don't go for sarcastic answers like, oh, of course, I was sitting here doing nothing, waiting for your task. <laughs> do I have five minutes? Of course not. I've got a very busy schedule. 
Please make an appointment. As you know, you are in charge of sarcasm <laughs> and the rest of us just put up with it. Chief sarcasm officer. <laughs> so, so you are advocating for more chat in the workplace. I guess one of the things that we might get as pushback to this is people who are remote first preferentially. So we're kind of talking here because we're in the same room as walking up to somebody's desk and having a conversation with them. How does that work for the remote workforce for our team members who aren't office-based? I think inevitably that's a little more difficult. Perhaps time might be made informally. I saw a figure from Forbes and they say that their research indicates that employees think that 50% of time spent in meetings is actually wasted. I think lots of people would agree with this. It's so many meetings you attend, and when you come out of the meeting, it's something that could have been sorted out informally between two or three people, two-minute chat. That's why I attend all meetings wearing a T-shirt that says, this could have been an email. I get, I get the point that you're making here, and again, I think it comes down to etiquette. So one of the worst things for me... When somebody just video calls me, so like I'll be sitting at my desk, like I'll be coding or something like that, and then suddenly I just have like a Teams call initiate because somebody's calling me. And the reason that frustrates me so much is I don't wear a headset at my desk unless I'm planning to have a call. So usually what happens is as soon as I get that annoying, I guess the term is ringtone for when that video call's going in, I'm furiously destroying my desk trying to find a headset. Or if somebody just messaged me and said, hey, do you have a few minutes to talk about this thing? Uh, I prefer a call for it. It would be easier to get it over and done with quickly. That's great. Give me a chance to work out where my headset has gone. I don't know. Maybe everybody just sits at home constantly wearing their headsets and maybe I'm the odd one out here. I think that's something that's crept into my life. I frequently. You do. You do always wear a headset, don't I you? I frequently find myself wearing a small headset, which leads to that 21st century phenomena of me apparently speaking to my spirit guide in the supermarket. I notice that older folks are still not accustomed to that and will stare at you as though to say, who is this guy speaking to, etc, etc. But I think it's increasingly becoming a thing. In terms of the video meeting thing, I really like those. I think they're an improvement because clients, colleagues get to see me they get to see the smile on my face, they get to see my body language, and I think that some of the emotional content which is stripped out by just playing text-based messaging is reintroduced. I think Zoom meetings are an altogether friendlier thing, and I think, you know, as you know, Holly, I had a conversation with a large company more towards the south of the country who needed quite an extensive program of testing. And I, rather than a call, I thought the video meeting uh, was a great thing and we all got along really well. And I feel that was enhanced by the fact that at the end of the day, we could all see each other. I definitely think that helps. I think some people who may be advocates for uh, permanently in office working feel as though you can't work collaboratively remotely. And, and I definitely think you can, both in terms of what you're saying there, which is you can get body language and you can get that kind of rapport with somebody through a video call. But also when I work with Dan, for example, one of our software developers, we work together quite regularly collaboratively on coding projects. And we, we never have video calls, never ever have video calls because the screen is taken up with screen shares. So, you know, we'll be doing a basically pair programming and we'll have the, the code up in front of us and we'll be talking through it. And I think 
that one of the things with that is you get a great flexibility. If you're having more of a kind of sales or operations meeting, you can you can be effectively face to face even if you're hundreds of miles away. And if you're having a collaborative working meeting, you can do screen chats and things like that. As long as you're set up for that. And I think that works great for us in this nice office that we've got where I've got dual monitors and all of that kind of thing. And I've got a nice desk with space for my uh, keyboard and, and notepad and all of that. Whereas I think some people who work remotely Maybe especially people who are at the more junior end of the spectrum and they've just left university or something like that. Maybe they're in house share. It's much harder to do that. Maybe they don't have space for a big desk and dual or triple monitors and all of that kind of thing. And maybe they're a little bit more restricted. So I think sometimes people feel if they don't have space to set up to be good for a video call and they're just doing it in the back bedroom or something or the corner of a home office, that might put them off a little bit. And I certainly see a lot of people using these virtual backgrounds and in particular the bad virtual backgrounds where they can't quite work out where the edges of your face are and things like that. And I find those really distracting, not virtual desktops in general, but just like bad setups where you're trying to have a face to face meeting with somebody, but they've got a potato for a webcam or even worse. I guess it's even more direct here as we're recording this podcast. They've got a terrible microphone. The biggest sin, I think, is where people just have the call with speakers and their laptops built in microphone. So every time they take notes and you can like furiously hear them typing on the keyboard, you do need to be kind of set up for it. And I guess companies should really be taking the lead here and thinking if you've got staff who are working remotely and they don't have the kit, like they don't have a decent headset, please buy them a decent headset. They're not that expensive and it makes things so much better because it's like talking to someone on a bad phone line, isn't it? Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I just wanted to say, amen. I mean, how does it not work to spend money on effective communication? We were in a, a meeting the other week, a Zoom meeting, no, Teams video meeting. And um, there's going to be some strong opinions on uh, Teams versus Zoom and all of those <laughs> poor people out there who, um, for some reason, like Google Meet. I will never understand you. <laughs> but... Um, one of the other people in the meeting said, you know, how impressed they'd been with Holly's microphone. Oh, yeah. That's why I use that. <laughs> I use the podcast microphone for, for video calls. People think that's because, like, it looks professional. It looks fancy or something like that. It's just, yeah. it's just plugged in. Like, yeah. I've already explained a second ago, if I try and wear a headset, I'll never have a video call again because I'll never find my headset. So, so what I've actually started doing is just leaving the podcast microphone plugged in on my desk and using that. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'd, I'd like to circle back to oh, the God, informal. Start talking about synergy in a second. <laughs> to the informal. Let's, let's put a pin in that. Informal learning aspect of of chat. The things that I've learned over the years from people, uh, just chatting, just chatting, and somebody will drop something in, and you think, oh wait. I spoke to so-and-so the other day and he was saying this about this and that explains that. And human beings are very, very good at putting these things together. It's like uh, unplanned learning. So just by yeah. regularly communicating with, with uh, team members, co-workers, uh, you're picking up little bits of information about how they work, how you work, the product that you're building, all of that kind of thing. Is that what you mean? Uh, yes. And also I've put in my notes here that it's really, really good to speak to experienced people. But the, the truth of that is we all have something to bring. Everybody can learn from everybody else. I'm not saying that day needs to be chock filled with aimless chatter. 
um, but human beings, it's an evolutionary advantage to be able to exchange a large amount of information in a short period. And we did not evolve to use Teams. We did not evolve to use text on our phone. We evolved to speak. I know there's a downside. We both attended an event earlier this year where during a talk, a member of the audience interjected a comment that turned into war and peace. The speaker was overly polite and allowed it to continue way past the point where the member of the audience had made their point. I think sometimes when people are public speaking, they're, they're trying to be polite. And I, yeah. I, I don't remember if that was maybe a new speaker as well who didn't necessarily have the, the confidence. I think that event should have handled that differently. Um, I did see an event a couple of years ago, though, where somebody did that awful thing where they put the hand up at the end of a presentation and they say, it's more of a comment, really. And the speaker immediately said, that's not a question. Next. This <laughs> is brilliant. And in comparison to that one, that, like you say, where that poor yeah. chap was getting yeah. effectively berated because the person didn't just interject a comment. They repeatedly interjected comments throughout the person's presentation. Yeah. And they, uh, they got longer and longer. And, and, you know, I'm sure in line with many people in that room, I did feel like saying, give it a rest. You, you've made your point. Give it a rest. If you've got things rude. to say, mate, put it in a CFP. <laughs> <laughs> let the uh, let the event decide whether anyone wants to but hear again, it. Again, that takes us back to social skills. I think some of the things that, that are important that we're raising here then is organizations need to look really closely at this and people working remotely and working from home. It's not just a case of send them home, but they need to have the equipment and the space to do that. So organizations should be looking to buy decent headsets. Don't buy the cheapest one. Maybe consider things like uh, decent webcams as well. You use an external camera, don't you? Yeah, I, very uh, good one. Elevate my laptop. So I use my laptop's camera, but my laptop's lifted. And just put some thought into it because it's not only collaborative meetings between coworkers, but as you said, a lot of your calls are with customers. And making sure that you're communicating well with customers is the only way we'll ever make sure that the project is going to go well with those customers. Yeah. And organizations should empower staff members to set strong boundaries. If you are doing a task where you cannot be interrupted, such as if you're in the middle of a major programming task or something like that, have a way to communicate to coworkers that you're busy and now is not the time without necessarily having to deal with people just saying you've got five minutes or permanently being marked as busy or aware so that you never end up having that time for collaboration. Agree. And I think, you know, no substitute for being upfront with colleagues. If a colleague says, have you got five minutes? I may say, no, but I have two minutes if it's urgent. Or I may say, yes, I have five minutes, but with a smile, it needs to be five minutes. And that's the great thing about chat. You know, when I say, yeah, but it needs to be five minutes, and I say it with a smile, right, takes the sting out of it. When I send that over Microsoft Teams, yes, but it needs to be five minutes, it's a completely different thing. And you, I could easily see a colleague going, whoa, Mr. Grumpy's in town. I think uh, another thing as well, you mentioned meetings and how people feel like 50% of their meetings is wasted time. I think one of the things there is that more people need to understand meeting chairs and more organizations need to empower people to run meetings with chairs with an agreed agenda. Or if there isn't an agreed agenda, somebody who's there to make sure that you stay on task and you stay on point. And if it gets to the point that actually you're not working, you're just waiting for somebody, end the meeting. And I think one of the things, just to get a little jab in because it annoys me and it happens all the time is, if you book a 30-minute meeting in my diary, you get 30 minutes, you know? 
<laughs> if it's a longer meeting, something that's quite complex. So for us, that could be um, scoping multiple pen testing projects. If a customer wants web apps and infrastructure and stuff like that, that might take a little bit of time. Let's set it for 40 minutes, not 30 minutes. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's two sides to that. It's making sure you stay on task. I'm not saying remove all social aspects. It's not like, you know, don't check how everybody's doing and stuff like that. But yeah, man, when people book uh, meetings in my diary and there's no agenda, it's just a 30 minute default meeting slot and 25 minutes of that's going to be wasted with, with off task stuff. I find that very frustrating. Yeah, I agree with that. I read a thing online about Larry Page and it dates back to when Google was a small company and Larry Page would frequently interview new staff. And a guy reports that when he arrived at Google HQ, they were playing hockey outside. La, la, la. We've all heard these stories, a million of them, and who knows how true they all are. But the guy said that he went in for an interview with Larry Page. Larry Page asked him several questions and said that um, he was just going to leave the room for a minute. And when he came back, he would like the interviewee to tell Larry Page something that he was fairly certain that Larry Page did not already know. And the interviewee says, you know, I thought of something, and it was some fact about Octopus or something. Anyway, the interviewee was subsequently successful and was granted a job. And one of the things he said to Larry Page was, why did you do that thing? Well, you left the room, and then you came back, and I had to tell you a fact that, you know, you didn't know. And he said, so that time is never wasted. I always learn something. Even if I don't take that person on, I've learned something new. I think that's the thing about chat. Not aimless chat, but directed chat in the workplace. It is amazing. One of the things I say to our customers is don't be afraid to uh, pick up a phone. Let's talk. Let's talk. Even if you don't intend to buy anything at that moment, it's an opportunity to communicate the way we work here what kind of person I am, what the ethos of the company is, you might be surprised. That's something that, that I always get really disappointed at if we don't get across well to customers, um, especially for things like post-pen testing engagement stuff. It's like if we find some vulnerabilities within a system and then the, that company is struggling to remediate those vulnerabilities for whatever reason, it's usually some technical specific at their end. Uh, and they just they just fight through it without us. I, I much prefer it when customers drop us a message and say, hey, we're struggling with this one for this reason, because very often we can help them out much faster than they can on their own, because we see this stuff all the time and working in cybersecurity within penetration testing. Pen testing is what we do every single day. And a lot of our customers, security is a part of their business. So they're not they're not in it as frequently as we are. So what might take them a little while we can get done real, real quick. Yeah, and we have said informally, please get in touch. If there's anything you don't understand, if there's anything that could have been better, if there's anything that needs explaining, get in touch. But people being people and everybody presuming that everybody else is busy, people don't. So small things that could have easily been cleared up just remain. And that can lead to customer dissatisfaction. So a thing that we're doing now is with each completed project, we're saying, can you spare the time for a 30 minute meeting? We'd love to have some feedback from you. We'd love to discuss your report, anything that wasn't very clear. And I think that's going to be really, really helpful for customers and also for ourselves. Sometimes the small things make the difference. 
Yeah, this is funny because it's been in our documentation for a long time. We always discuss it during the pre-engagement meeting and say, hey, at the end, if, obviously we'll give you the report, but if you want to have a, a presentation or a discussion about the report, we can do that. But sometimes, of course, the pre-engagement meeting is a couple of weeks before the pen test and the pen test might be a little while. So that that gets kind of forgotten about. And yeah, now that change of just on report delivery, like, hey, do you want to have a call about this? And I like what you mentioned there about it. it's it's good for us as well, because one of the things is we want to hear the aspects of the engagement that the customer enjoyed or that they liked or if there's parts in the report that they, that were really useful to them so that we can highlight them better and we can make sure that those are in future reports. And I guess equally, if there's something that they didn't like, um, you know, some write-up was maybe overly technical, not broken down enough or something like that, then we can address that. But yeah, very often, especially for, for long or complex engagements, it's just so much in the report. You can imagine it's difficult for people to, to know where to even start and being able to give the tester's perspective of this is what this report means to me and the reason that I put it together in the way that I did. I think that's going to be really, really useful. I think it's going to be incredibly useful. Okay, so I think we've covered a lot of things. There is some stuff I want to follow up on. I want to follow up on um, interview processes. We should do an episode about cybersecurity interviews because I've got a whole world of experience there, both uh, being hired and as a hiring manager. I've got a, a, a big rant I can do about that, so I'd love to follow up on that. But you said that Larry Page wants an interesting fact from people at the end of the meeting. So, Mark, what is your interesting fact? <laughs> the word octopus was briefly introduced before. But I want to interject the fact that many species of squid inhabit deep water and communicate with each other by being able to fluoresce, be able to communicate through bands of coloration. And scientists now think that the squid's eye is capable of perceiving some wavelengths that the human eye cannot. In other words, their eyes, because they communicate visually, they have evolved eyes with a wider bandwidth than human beings have. There you go. My fact for closing out this episode is there are individual sharks alive today that are older than the United States of America. That is incredible. And that was the Akimbo cast. We'll see you in the next episode.